Hey guys and girls, welcome back to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. As always, I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's very, very special uh, episode, a uh, very short episode, I have to say, uh, we have brought on a previous guest, one of our earliest guests, uh, Mr. Jeff uh, Kiplinger, who has got a great background and grew and sold a very successful CRO business in the in the space after a long time with Pfizer has brought out a really interesting book called Expert to Entrepreneur, uh, a book that really kind of focuses on his journey and some great lessons for businesses and people in commercial roles in our sector. So I thought it'd be really good to get Jeff back on to talk about his project and and why it came about and just some of the things that you can expect from his book and Obviously, as an author myself of The Floundering Founder, I know how difficult it is to dedicate the time to write a book, but also the impact that it can have on people's life. And so for me, it just seemed like a great opportunity to get Jeff back on to talk about his fantastic new book, which I have read, of course. And for background, Jeff is a PhD chemist who, after leading, leaving scientific leadership role at Pfizer, transitioned to business leadership and an entrepreneurial track. In 2007, he founded uh, Averica Discovery, an analytical drug development CMO in Boston. With solid growth in a tough, econom- in a tough economy, Averica was an attractive target and then was acquired by a Canadian lab services company. He left in 2018 and wrote about the experience of changing focus uh, from science to business in this wonderful book, Expert Entrepreneur, How to Turn Your Hard-Won Expertise into a Thriving Business, which has made the Amazon bestseller list, which is great. Uh, Jeff is passionate about scientists and scientific entrepreneurship and helping them build their business. He's a keynote speaker and coach, uh, leads mastermind groups for scientific founders, and is a co-creator and partner in Selling Science which is a consultant firm that helps companies grow their revenue by developing sales programs. He lives in New England with his wife, Katie, and spends most of his free time outdoors, hiking and cycling. He really is a great guy, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly encourage you to pick up a copy of the book. It's absolutely jam-packed with uh, great advice for people that are thinking about starting their own business or that are on that journey, or indeed for anyone working in a fast-growing business that wants to just lo- learn about the, gro- uh, the growth phase. Um, if you like Jeff's book, you'll probably like mine as well. So if you haven't picked up a copy of The Floundering Founder, then do so on Amazon and because it's also a bestseller on Amazon as well. So enjoy today's show. Jeff, welcome back to Molecule to Market. Now, as a published best-selling author, my friend, it's great to have you back. Well, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks very much for for being willing to talk about this again. We have so much in common, both of us having published books on uh, uh, kind of our experience as founders that I really have been looking forward to talking about this with you. Yeah, likewise. And, you know, for our listeners, Jeff was episode number 13, so he was... Um, uh, one of the the few people that I am very indebted to who kind of came on Molecule to Market when it was just getting going. So it's great uh, to get you kind of back on, Jeff. If my maths is correct, I think that was three and a half years ago. So time has time has passed very very quickly. And Jeff, you, you know, assuming some of our listeners have not had uh, an opportunity to listen to that an original podcast, 
give our listener a bit of the backstory about your journey and some of the success that you've had in business that ultimately led to the creation and the authoring of your new book. Sure. Well, the, the book is called Expert to Entrepreneur, and I started my career with Pfizer many years ago uh, as kind of an expert in mass spectrometry and chromatography, and they brought me in to support uh, the growing Discovery Chemistry program in uh, their main research facility in Connecticut. And I had a wonderful time there learning the drug discovery process, working with scientists, but as too frequently happens in these large companies, you get kind of siloed based on your expertise. You end up uh, you know, very valuable to the company for what you can do. And uh, when you want to stretch your wings a little bit, when you want to learn new um, uh, parts of the organization, it's difficult for them to let you go out of your present rules. So I became frustrated with Pfizer. And uh, after about 10 years, I left the company to try and do some more entrepreneurial things. Like I had sort of an, a vague idea, I think, at the time that um, as a, somebody with deep expertise in one band of the drug development process, I could monetize that and sell it to other people as a service. And uh, you know, I, um, I, I tried to start a couple of different things that didn't go anywhere, and eventually I started a contract research firm in the Boston area that was doing exactly what I knew how to do, uh, analytical drug development work. Um, grew that company successfully for about nine years and sold it to a larger Canadian firm uh, that wanted a presence in the U.S. and wanted an R&D group like ours. Uh, so that was kind of a successful arc, and um, that forms a lot of the meat and potatoes part of uh, expert entrepreneur. But I think what was interesting to me about um, that was that when you and I talked three and a half years ago, I had only recently sold the company and I didn't know what I was going to do next. And you at that time had just published The Floundering Founder. And we talked a lot about the, the sort of weird arc of, of uh, the personal part of the journey of founding a company and, and all of the uncertainties with how to do that and how to grow it and all the mistakes you make along the way and all the vulnerability that comes with that, and all of the, the self-doubt. And, uh, and we talked about just how deeply personal this whole thing is. And you know, Ramon, I was, I was listening to, I was catching up on your podcast uh, not too long ago uh, on a long car trip. And one of the things I noticed is that you're very, very effective at getting to that deeply personal part of the journey of of any leader in the biotech industry that you talk to. I mean, I think this is something that still is, is deeply interesting to both of us, is uh, how much this is a personal journey in addition to just being a, an intellectual uh, or a skills-based pursuit. You know, you don't, you, you don't found a business, uh, um, you know, wholly based on a business plan and then expect it to stick for the next 10 years. It's not going to happen. Thank you for that. And, and, and you're absolutely right. I think one of the, I think you know, for our regular listeners, they'll probably hear my level of passion kind of go through the roof when I'm speaking to guests that then kind of go a bit deeper and share some of the sacrifices or mistakes that they've, they've had to make. And I think that is the reality, particularly about, you know, in your situation and mine, you know, starting, growing and succeeding in a business, to use your words from the book, 
comes with huge sacrifice and it's never as linear as you think it's going to be. And so I think, you know, certainly from both of our books certainly share in common that I think vulnerability and humility in terms of just being authentic about what the journey is like. I certainly got that sense from from reading the book. And I love the title, I have to say. And what I particularly like about the title, Jeff, is it was actually one of my working titles <laughs> for The Floundering Founder. So uh, Experts Entrepreneur was genuinely one of the first titles that I considered, but I went down a slightly different route. So, and that's that's a nice segue, you know. So I'm glad I didn't know that at the time that I titled the book. <laughs> Known that I would <laughs> immediately chosen something different because I, you know, I, I hate to be uh, uh, accused of stealing something from. No, uh, absolutely my- not. I mean, you, this is your title and your book, and it is incredible to see what what you've you've achieved it in the book. And um, give give our listener a bit of a flavour for what they can expect if they pick up a copy. You know, what what I personally like about the book is how it's kind of. Neatly, neatly, kind of split into three, almost in terms of you know starting, growing, and succeeding. But you know, what what can they expect from the book? And I suppose for our listeners that are not entrepreneurs and founders, what can they get from the book as well? You know, I think it's um, uh, the basic thesis here is that when I started my company, I very much thought that I was trading on my own expertise. And what I found out, you know, somewhat rapidly, I would say after the first three years or so, is that if I was going to continue to trade on my own expertise as what the company delivered, then I was pretty much stuck at the limit of my bandwidth, my personal bandwidth. So I had to look at a way to create a company around what I did that would become an entity that had value in and of itself. In other words, that'd be me still as as the founding expert, uh, but the company would gradually get more and more valuable than I was because of working processes because of the people that were in it, because of the financial strength that it accumulated over time, because of uh, uh, ultimately because of my stepping back from having to be in front of every aspect of the business. And that was not apparent to me at the point where I founded the company at all. That, that was something that I had no idea about that I had to learn. And that's really what the book is there for. I, I think the way that I see that reflected now when I talk to other people, because I'm, I'm very much involved now with consulting with companies uh, in the same space of scientific services and supplies that are trying to build more effective sales programs, for example. And when I consult with ownership or, or leadership in, in these kind of ways, I hear a lot of people say things similar to, hey, business is great, we just need more sales. Well, the realization that I had about three years in was that the company is built to give me the ability to sell what I can do to a customer. It's, it's there, uh, I think as Peter Drucker said years ago, the whole purpose of a business is to find and keep a customer. So once I realized that, it began to change the arc that my company was on. It began to really um, head us towards a real growth, a, a sustainable growth curve, and ultimately towards an exit where I was able to, you know, uh, take back a little bit of the um, accumulated wealth that had been built into the company. And for many of our listeners, I think scientific selling will be fundamental to everyone's business. That that you know, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's contract research, whether 
it's clinical research or packaging or testing or equipment, there is a, a huge portion of technical complex selling in what we do in this sector, particularly when the buyer is a big pharma company or a well-funded biotech company. So what are some of the mistakes that you see companies make when it comes to to selling in this sector? And that can range from you know, startup companies that you know you might help, or actually some of the larger organisations that have, you know, um, armies of business development teams that are out there. Surely there are commonalities in what you see in terms of guys. You don't want to be doing this. You know, I think that um, that selling and and at a base level representing your company, uh, whether it's through marketing or through sales activities, is a problem for a lot of scientific companies because we tend to fer- to focus on that expertise that we're bringing to the table right so if you if you think of you know even me as a, a, a small time founder when I founded uh, my company uh, you know just an individual bringing um, some level of familiarity with drug development and some technologies out into the world and saying here it is buy it you tend to lead with the expertise you tend to lead with um, with what you can do, what you have, uh, you know, sometimes it gets deeper than that. People talk about their their uh, history, their track record. They put out white papers showing how uh, deep their expertise is. They put out uh, lists of the instruments they have, how many PhDs are in the laboratory. All of these things are talking about you, and they're not talking in the language of the customer. They're not talking about the customer's problem and what problem they're trying to solve. So... I think it's that that disconnect between um, the way that scientists have always learned to present themselves. I, I learned this back in uh, seventh grade in in U.S. middle school. Right, the, the first time I was told how to write or taught how to write uh, in a laboratory notebook: be completely objective, only say what you did, only say what the results were. Don't provide any opinions. Don't ask any questions. Just write down the facts. Um, we're very good at that, and we're very good at standing up at a podium and showing slides. And those sh- slides all show our expertise. They have our results. They have graphs. They have colors. They have lines. Everybody loves to look at those things. But what you're doing at that point is you're you're forcing the potential customer to look at that and say, "I wonder how I could apply this to my problems." People haven't built their commercial programs uh, to to a large extent around understanding their customers. No, I agree. And it's it's so interesting you say that because I think that's definitely one of the commonalities I've seen with all the businesses I've worked with over the years of like, you know, I call it me, 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 like, uh, you know, the web copy, the the brochure copy, the sales decks are the, are the classic thing. It's basically all, this is what we do. It's all functional sell- selling and actually what it often misses is what's the customer benefit? What does it mean? To the customer, I certainly you know encourage anyone who's listening. When you are presenting a slide deck, on every single slide, ask yourself the question: What does this mean to the audience? Like, how does this help them? How does this you know work for them? And I think it's a really, really powerful question. In to your point, Jeff, kind of just stepping outside of the detail of the whatever the rational information is, and actually applying it to the, that kind of customer problem. Um, so, thank you for that. Both are focus on that slide deck problem, right? <laughs> it's, it's what we see so frequently from companies is their deck. And, and I always say, okay, so s- 
rearrange your deck. Start with what's the problem that we all share, and then tell me why you think you have a solution for it, and then tell me who you are. So the third thing, you know, the the last thing, maybe buried in the middle of the deck, maybe at the end, is is um, you know how many PhDs you have in the laboratory and why your uh, you know facility is best equipped to do this, but. You can still put it in there. It's just not what's going to capture the customer's attention. Yeah. And often I find it bizarre that people haven't spent some time understanding what the customer is looking for in the first place. So, <laughs> so you know, I, you know, I mean, it's kind of classic consultative selling, you know, spend time understanding the problem, understanding the need, understanding the language the customer is using and apply that back to them as opposed to bringing out a generic uh, kind of vanilla slide deck, which is kind of a catch-all. If you're on the receiving end of one of those, it doesn't feel particularly special. Mm. And so I, I think uh, that's great advice there. And one thing I noticed about your book when I, when I went through was you use various um, diagrams or frameworks or, um, I mean, there's several in the book that I think illustrate the point that you're you're trying to make. Do you mind just talking about a couple of those frameworks or a couple of those diagrams or or even just concepts in the book that you think will really resonate with some of our listeners? I think that uh, one that you might have seen is um, what I've, I've called, and other people have used this term, it's not mine, a sales staircase. Because we're so used to thinking in terms of a sales funnel as though uh, you know, I, you're going to put in a bunch of leads at the top and the and the real customers are going to drop through by the gravitational force alone. Um, you know, that, that sort of passive process of moving through a funnel is not what sales is about. We have to take somebody that has no knowledge of us and then bring them to a point where they understand what we do and they start to think, hey, maybe there'd be a reason to have a conversation with these guys. And then we have to invite them to have a conversation. And so that's a, there's an energy barrier there to speak in chemistry language, right? There's an activation barrier that you have to get over. You have to provide an invitation and maybe even an incentive to get into that conversation. And then they step up onto the next step. And then perhaps the next step is uh, uh, getting them to understand that there's value being created for them if you can solve a problem. Uh, that's work. And, you know, it, it's it's work that you as the selling company or the salesperson have to put in before you can invite them to step up into the next step, which might be, okay, could you give me a proposal now? Yeah. Every time you have to invite them to take a step up and you also have to provide enough energy to get over the activation barrier of taking that step up. I was going to say, it's great advice. Actually, I mean, I don't know if it's the same, but it reminds me of kind of the a foot in the door concept, even if, you know, where there's an opportunity on the table and a company will you know, kind of try and get everything in one go, right? Like it's kind of classic, um, let's get married on day one rather than <laughs> go for dinner, <laughs> this type thing. And I think that concept, I think, applies to, you know, kind of doing a small project to initiate a relationship and actually prove to the client that you can do what you say. But at a relatively lower cost mark. And actually, I think that often gives companies the opportunity to just simply work together, 
see if there's a good chemistry fit, see if the teams can work together, see if there's a good culture fit. And I think that then naturally lends itself to growth of clients where you're not trying to get, you're not trying to sell them kind of the whole shebang on day one. And I think that's also, to your point, uh, kind of a similar type of concept, which I think will definitely apply to some of our listeners. Yeah, I think it it does. And, uh, you know, in this particular book, uh, Expert Entrepreneur, I spent quite a bit of time, uh, you know, in the media section of the book, the section on growing your company. I spent quite a bit of time talking about sales and marketing in from different perspectives. Um, one of the things that I always had difficulty with was um, getting my bench scientists to accept that marketing was actually important. Because they tend to see it as, as scientists, I think, tend to see marketing and sales activity in general as um, as uh, um, deceptive, as uh, manipulative customer. And so they feel a little bit cringy. They feel a little bit dirty if they engage in it in any way. But there's a reality is that, that you can solve problems. You know, you started your company because you knew you could solve problems. And the reality is that that by being able to do that, you're providing value. So if you can understand how to find the customer that gains the most value from what you do, then you shouldn't feel cringy in any way. You're really helping. You're really bringing something that that um, that uh, is worth paying for to the table. Yeah, I love that. It's almost like this concept that it's problem solving and not selling, which I think is is much more <laughs> palatable for, for a bench scientist as opposed to be good at that so why not do it (laughs) absolutely well jeff where can where can our listeners buy your book and one thing i wanted to say before you you answer that is what i find interesting about your book is actually you don't have to be a founder and entrepreneur actually to get value from this book i look at it you know it's this book is very applicable to any service provider in the contract services space it actually follows the journey that many of the organizations that every listener will be working for that's been through a founder like a founder-led start it is scaled and then it is sold in some regard whether that's uh, an exit for the founder or whether it's a private equity investment and i think what it does i think it, it provides people with a great kind of wider understanding of some of the business challenges that your organization might be facing and the reason i mentioned that is if you're in a technical role or a business development role and you're quite narrow focused and you want to go up the ladder into more holistic commercial role, I think understanding some of the dynamics of how to grow a business and how to scale a business or what could potentially differentiate you from your colleagues or from other others in the sector. So I certainly just wanted to emphasize that I think this book is certainly not just for entrepreneurs and founders, but for anyone that's wanting to uh, have a slightly more diverse and holistic view of business within the organizations that they operate. Yeah, I, I hope that that's true. I, uh, I really tried to write it that way. The, the first section on starting is a lot of the nuts and bolts types of things that you can read in different contexts, in different types of business books. You know, what what is the value of a business plan? What's the difference between an LLC and a corporation, uh, an S-corp or C-corp? Um, you know, those types of nuts and bolts things are there so that um, somebody that's inside, like like I was inside Pfizer, right, looking to, to figure out what to do next, 
that person could get a perspective on the entire art. But if you're already leading a company or if you're already in a leadership role within a company, even if you're not the owner, this section that is that is the biggest in the book is on growth. And that's the scaling of the company. That is the building of a sales and marketing process that works, um, that is effective, that's sustainable, that's reproducible. Building operational processes to make the company stronger, focusing on uh, you know financial strength. All of that can benefit anybody that's in uh, a wide variety of different roles within companies. It is all focused on um, on scientists who are in those roles uh, because I kind of recognize the gaps that I came into this with, and and those gaps are are there with any professional expertise kind of uh, uh, role you. You spend your entire career learning to be an expert in your field. You don't spend it learning how to create a business out of that. <laughs> so that's something we all have to kind of uh, figure out. Yeah, and it's and that that's a journey that some people think is easy, and some people fail at miserably <laughs> when they try it because. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you can run a business. Nothing. Uh, book is packed full of great tips and and real life advice on how to overcome that. So again, you know, appreciate the sentiment of what I said that is that said before about this being applicable to anyone in a, a growing science based business. But also, you know, there will be people listening that are at uh, an urge to start their own business. It might be a small consultancy. It might be a small laboratory. It might be something grander in a manufacturing facility. I think there's there's some fantastic learnings in there for how you should go about doing that so jeff where can our listeners pick up a copy i'm i'm proudly holding my signed copy right in front of me uh, which you know is real and mine because it's got doggy it already because my books always look like that so thank you for for kindly sending me a copy in the mail but for our listeners that want to pick up i'm guessing amazon and all kind of online bookstores is where where people find it is there a kindle version they can maybe pick up as well there's a Kindle version, uh, paperback and hardback on um, on Amazon, uh, the usual suppliers. Uh, you can usually ask your own personal bookshop to order it because it is available through um, the, the international publishers. So um, you, know, you can get it through whatever source you prefer to buy your books. It's... Um, it's uh, it's expert to entrepreneur is the title and, uh, and my name as the author. Um, that should be all the information you'd need to find it. Love it, Jeff. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm grateful to you for taking a look at it, Ramon. I'm grateful to you for your advice as a published author that you gave me along the way. I, you know, I certainly want to, want to say thank you for that. And, um, and I'm glad that you're enjoying it. You're so welcome. And, um, it's a pain to write these books, isn't it? I think we should just enjoy a moment to reflect on the process of actually pulling this together. Well, I think, I, you know, I, I've talked to you enough over the last few years. I know you're proud of uh, your book. I'm, I'm proud of having written this. I, uh, I think it brings something to the table, and, uh, and I hope that um, you and other people get a kick out of it. Yeah, well, I'm sure they will. Thanks again, Jeff. And for our listeners again, that's Expert to Entrepreneur, How to Turn Your Hard-Won Expertise into a Thriving Business by my wonderful guest and friend, of course, uh, Mr. Jeff Kiplinger. Thanks again, Jeff. Oh, my pleasure, Roman. Great to talk with you again. Hi again. 
Thanks for tuning in to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. For more shows, have a look on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, wherever you like to listen. And do make sure that you subscribe so the next episode comes direct to your device automatically. And please get in touch via our website, uh, Molecule to Market Pod, or via LinkedIn or Twitter. We love to hear from you. So if you have a guest that you want to suggest or someone in your organization that you think would make a great guest on Molecule to Market, then please let us know. We'll see you very soon. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.